This is The Guardian. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Housemates, you are live. Please do not swear. And there's swearing in this episode. Big Brother is back. Who is she? Who is she? What? They told me that David is dead. In the outing days, I even had wireless phones and they got music out of that. Why was the OG reality TV show so iconic? And how has it shaped what we watch today? You're listening to Pop Culture with me, Shantae Joseph, for The Guardian. Big Brother has such a special place in British pop culture. When the show first launched in 2000, 4.5 million people tuned in to watch the weird and wonderful social experiment. Alison has packed 26 pairs of knickers. I was four years old when the episode first aired, but I know so many of its most iconic moments because of playground chatter and sneaking up past bedtime to watch it. Whether this season is amazing or a total flop, I am more interested in the legacy of the show and how the success of Big Brother changed reality TV and British culture forever. I did watch it. Uh, All of Big Brother sort of talent off screen from past and present always sort of get together at these moments and start texting each other with excitement because we all absolutely love the format, whether we're making it or not, whatever network it's on, it excites us all. Daniel Nettleton worked on eight series of Big Brother and he produced some of the most memorable challenges in the show. I'll tell you what my big one observation, I noticed it from the pre-titles onwards. Mm. Now, when you learn to be the voice of Big Brother, you're very much taught early on, never refer to yourself in the first person. Big Brother never refers to I or me, but in the pre-titles, Big Brother instantly said I, instantly said my, instantly said me, and I knew this is a conscious shift they're giving us. This is Big Brother. Welcome to my housewarming party. Anyone fancy another game? Yeah, why not? They're putting this stall out, first and foremost, that traditionally Big Brother doesn't have an opinion. Big Brother has to respect all housemates the same. But I think we're going to see a more sort of opinionated, more 
personality-driven Big Brother in this series. That's my prediction. Yeah. And when Big Brother first started, what was it like? And what was it about? Like, what did it seek to do on TV that had never done before? Well, it was groundbreaking. It was um, it was the first time in Holland when they had ever put normal people on television and made them the stars of the show. They're in prime time. There's a whole house of people you don't know. They're not famous. They've not done anything of note that you would have, have come across before. So this was really groundbreaking, making normal people uh, the stars of any kind of television experience. There were so many other things. The introduction of a, a vote, a public vote, the introduction of 24-hour streaming. It was groundbreaking on so many, many levels. It's sort of like, sort of almost welcomed in the age of social media because it was it was sort of almost ahead of its time. Mm. You know, if social media had been around when Big Brother first launched, then it would have been even bigger than it was, if, if that could ever be the case. The region is called East Anglia. East Anglia? That's abroad. Is there not a place called East Anglia abroad? So you started working on Big Brother in 2006. What was it like to work on the show then? Can you paint us a bit of a picture? A hard work. Okay, so looking at the new series, it's six weeks, I think. Uh, mm. Our main series was 13 weeks by that time. Oof. And as a task producer, series task producer, you're looking at putting in more than one task a day. Not all of them big. Some of them you wouldn't even notice on the TV as being a task. Um, but we were in charge of all those kind of content. So we'd be putting in over 200 sort of plus tasks in one series. Unlike most other reality shows, Big Brother really never goes off the clock. Mm -mm. Um, so as a producer, you never really relax. As, well, as soon as those housemates go in until they come out, you sort of, as, a, as an employee, going to what is known as a reality bubble, you really become absorbed 24-7 with what's going on in that house. And it's sort of really hard to maintain any kind of world outside of that bubble. But I tell you what was brilliant about Big Brother, and still is, is it's one of the only... TV shows that you can work on in television where you can come up with an idea on Monday morning, put it into the house Monday evening, and it's on TV, watched by six, seven million people the next evening on a daily basis for 13 weeks. So it's very rewarding as much as it was hard work. Yeah. And you kind of already brought this up, but the tasks were a massive part of Big Brother and you were very instrumental in creating them. And so what, what purpose did the task serve? Why were they brought onto Big Brother? Well, initially, as it was very much a social experiment, and, and as such, uh, we were intrigued by human behaviour. Uh, for the first couple of years, the tasks were, they were almost like an, an addition to the, to the content rather mm -hmm. than the driver of the content. And I think as the show developed, as it got into sort of later series and the social element stuff sort of faded away, we needed to be entertained as viewers. And I think the tasks provide that entertainment. They provide the conflict you know, when you're talking 93 days of people in that house, they're going to start getting tired. They're going to start not doing anything. They're going to get lazy. So the tasks are there to keep them going, to entertain the viewers. And they grew and grew uh, to the point where they were an essential part. They really were integral in driving content forward. Big Brother has set this week's shopping task. All the female housemates are in the garden. Ziggy has been called to the diary room. He must decide how the female housemates have rated themselves in a series of different categories from 1 to 11. 
And they become such a huge part of like how you view the show and how you identify with things in the show. Because you kind of see it a lot with it when it's like Love Island, for example, when they have to do the task where they swap food in each other's mouths. Like I just I just know that's coming at some point in the season. And I'm like, I can't wait to not watch that episode. Oh, it makes me feel sick when I think about it. I don't even know. I don't even know what was in my mouth. <laughs> and so in the same way with Big Brother as well, it's like the task, like you kind of see what comes up quite often and you're like, oh, okay, I know this is going to create this. But what was the thought process behind each task? Was it always about creating chaos? Uh, no, not always, uh, often. It's that you sort of, after a while, when you're generating so much content, you sort of create a sort of playbook of sort of devices that you can dress up in different ways and put into the house to cause certain reactions that you can predict you know that if you divide the house into two sides with with one that has and one that hasn't, that's mm-hmm. going to cause conflict. There are certain things that you know will always generate content. We used to actually, weirdly, get a lot of inspiration from places like 1970s psychology books where they used to, in the 70s in America, they used to do these crazy science <laughs> experiments that often would, we would go, this is crazy, but what if we did that, that and that? Or we used to sneak off from work in the development process and watch Saw films because obviously Saw films are horrific. But the, uh, they're really quite clever, those challenge, those tasks. Yeah. So we would take elements of that. So we would get inspiration from anywhere and everywhere. And how did you decide when you were going to put a specific task on or when you were going to implement it? Did you have to see how the relationships on the show were developing and then be like, okay, this is the moment to get them to do this because this is going to stir up controversy or this is going to create bonds? Yeah, we would plan out uh, the entire series worth of tasks. It'd be on this big board for the 13 weeks, we're going to do this shopping task here, we're going to do this shopping house. And obviously, that is not how life works, particularly not in the Big Brother house. So that would soon get ripped up pretty quickly. If there was an incident that happened that was quite nasty or sinister, eh, then then we would have to suddenly, you know, if we were putting in a task that might cause an argument later on, well, that's that's out the window. And Mm. we'd have to then come up with something, either bring something forward or come make something absolutely new to try and bring the dynamic of the house back together to bring some peace Yes. Uh, into the house so we were very reactive which could be very frustrating because you could prepped something for the last week that's just about to go in and then someone spits at someone and then we're all <laughs> we're all over the place that's so crazy though. but I imagine like it's stressful but it must make you so creative like you're constantly having to think on your feet because you just don't know what these people are gonna do I think when you first do the first series you think oh my god you're so rigid as to what is possible and what isn't. And then once you've done a couple of series of that show, you know anything's possible and that you can come up with something on the spot. And there is one task that we have to talk about, yeah? There was this hilarious moment in Celebrity Big Brother Series 7 with something called The Tree of Temptation. Jonas, it's me, the tree. And it is this plastic tree that whispered to housemates and made them do tasks. And you were the voice of that tree. But you also came up with the concept. And I just I just need to know everything about this tree, how it came into being. Why did you do this? Give me everything. I can't take all credit for the <laughs> conception of it. It was a t- very much a team effort. Uh, the idea, the theme of that Celebrity Big Brother was uh, sort of good and evil. It was... Hell is other people, I think, was our tagline. So we wanted to create something quite biblical in the garden. So it, it never turned out what it was supposed to be. It was called the Tree of Temptation. And we thought it would be like in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Uh, it could tempt people. Now, the first time we did it, because you had to keep your voice down so the people um, in the house didn't see it, I had to start whispering. Now, when I whisper, my sort of Ken guttural Chatham accent comes out. And mm-hmm. it suddenly took this sort of swerve from being a biblical wise 
Tree of Temptation, or oh, this sort of seedy sounding sort of oi, Psst. Nicola. Yeah. And it sounded really sort of dirty and sinister. Stay where you are. Don't let anyone know you're talking to the tree. Okay. And when he was setting little tasks, <laughs> it just became something we weren't expecting it to be, but it was really good fun. Okay. Then come and find me later on, alone. And I remember then the second time we did it, I asked my exec, could I swear? Because we never, Big Brother never swore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I said, can I swear? Can the tree swear? And we were like, well, let's do it. And then we could always cut it out afterwards. And, we, and I told, I think it was um, Alex Reed. Uh, Katie Bryce's ex to piss off. Alex. Yes. It's me, the tree. And it sort of like cemented the fact that suddenly the tree could now swear. <laughs> Alex. Yeah. I want you to kick the shit out of the snowman. Oh God. It could have an opinion because this is this is key to what the the tree of temptation offered to Big Brother that Big Brother ne- never had before was the ability for the producers to have an opinion. Because as we said before, Big Brother couldn't. The tree could. It could have favourites. It could have uh, ones it didn't like that it could pick on. And it could do things that the Big Brother could never do before. And I wonder whether we're going to see some of that kind of uh, stuff happening in the new series where Big Brother can be more relaxed and can be more free to have an opinion. So funny. And I love the idea of it coming from like the Garden of Eden. This is something that was supposed to be a very innocent sort of tree. But now it's like, yeah, listen, I'm going to be mean to you. I'm going to bully you. And what can you do? You can't punch a tree, can you? So you have to just deal with it. I love that. Yeah, it was it was a surprise to all of us. As I say, it wasn't where we intended it to go, but yeah. we were quite happy with the, with the direction it ended up at. As it, yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. It won't be pretty, believe me. You're absolutely horrid. Do you get it? Horrible. Horrible. I hate you. Shut up. You shut up. <laughs> I bet you're real ugly. Don't make it worse. And my name's Kiva, you little. Whatever. Another concept you worked on, and I've seen in other shows, is where you get contestants to rate people the best in the house or the worst in the house, the most tidy, the least tidy. And recently, in Married at First Sight, at the dinner party, when the honesty box came out, they had to rate the couples from the most authentic to the most fake. And that drums up a lot of controversy and argument. Can you tell us a bit about how that worked in the Big Brother house? Well, yeah, as I mentioned before, we sort of have a playbook and there's sort of like first on the team sheet is the rating task. And if you just look around in the last uh, 12 months, Traitors kicked off series one with a ratings task where they had to see who was going to go the furthest and the bottom two got kicked out for a bit. Do you know what? I'm in over my head. Then I would like you to get in a line, please. Show me how well you're going to do with most likely to win there. As you mentioned, Married at First Sight, Poison Challenge. It doesn't matter how you deliver it. It's still a ratings task. Mm -hmm. And they delivered it via the honesty box. And I think it was Luke had to then rate people. This, that, that, he was on a, it was a poison challenge. He's on a hiding to nowhere there because there is no way of delivering this task without co- upsetting everyone <laughs> and making yourself look like a meanie. Oh, this is going to fucking ruffle some feathers, I'm telling oh, you. Okay, not. rate the couples around the table in order of most to least genuine. Oh! I think the, the most meta we ever went with it was when um, we did a series called Celebrity Hijack when, on E4 when the celebrities hijacked the house and became Big Brother. And Jimmy Carr did, did one. Uh, which I produced and we did loads of lineups we sort of like did it to its extreme and the final one we did was we we put them in order from most to least and then said we're not going to tell you what we've put you in but you've got to work that out and two hours later 
they were still in the garden shouting at each other, trying to work out what order it was. And the truth was, there was absolutely no order whatsoever. <laughs> We'd literally just put them in a random order and then let them sort of eat each other alive for two hours. Oh my brilliant. God. You just manufacture yeah. drama out of quite literally nothing. Nine minutes later. Laziness? Yeah, but it is. No, because, was high, no, because I was sleeping. Be. It's honesty, guys. We're just going to pick honesty, right? Because there's nothing else. Right. These are all kind of brilliant examples of when you've got an idea in mind and it gives you all of the content that you, you want. But what happens when it doesn't go to plan and a task isn't giving you the content that you want? How do you fix that? Oof, you, you have to sort of, sometimes we call them ghost tasks. Tasks that we put into the house that just don't generate the content we want or didn't work or something went wronging them. And then we sort of erased their entire, as if it never happened. That's why they're a ghost. We had a topiary task where we filled the garden with topiary bushes that they had to cut just so that we could say voiceover, Daniel has been trimming his bush for the last hour. That was the, we were going, that, that was the level. And that, in fact, that, that, that idea was thought of the morning of and put in a few hours later on a Sunday. Uh, something happened, which I won't talk about because it's too much top secret, but we had to get it out. So we then spent, we couldn't have one bit of topiary anywhere in the house because if anyone saw it on the telly, they'd go, why is there a bit of a bush there? So we spent like a, two hours clearing that house. So those sort of things happened. And when you're creating these tasks and you're kind of manufacturing these sort of like dramas and conflicts, do you ever feel bad for the housemates that, that you know that you're just creating problems simply for the entertainment value or do you feel like you know what you signed up for this is what it is yes you do feel bad sometimes you do feel bad uh and the line that you always say was whenever they try and get out of it is big brother reminds house where all tasks are compulsory I think that was the line so you had this sort of get out of jail card whenever they came into the diary room to complain that they didn't want to be sitting on this chair that was an uncomfortable chair for another 14 hours <laughs> and you just say big brother reminds housemates that all tasks are compulsory yeah you do feel bad but not not too bad because they signed up for it. Although there were task producers like you on Big Brother, there were also a team of story producers. When I watch programs like Love Island or Married at First Sight, I can really see the influence of these story producers in creating the narrative. And I wonder what the relationship was like between the two teams on Big Brother. When, when I was doing it, I'm sure it's similar now, is that they will be in charge of that 24 hours of reality. Any content that will be, they will then shape that show. So they'll be sitting in a room watching all the content, and they'll say there's a budding romance developing between X and Y, and so we're going to follow that. Story producers and task producers have a sort of a love-hate relationship because uh, story producers need the task producers uh, to generate content on a, on a day when there's no, no people falling in love, no people mm. get, having a row. However, we then put in a silly task with, with uh, candles and people trying to sprint and it's taking up all their valuable time when really A and B are having a love affair back there and that's all they really want to concentrate on. But there's this task going on, so they want us out. So we're either their best friend or their least favourite friend. This conversation with Daniel is too good. We're going to take a second and if you're enjoying it so far, then use this little break to subscribe and leave a review. We'll be back after this. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, 
a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Welcome back, housemates. When I think about the cultural impact of Big Brother, particularly on other TV shows, like it is huge. I put, I think a lot about the voiceover in Come Dine With Me. Something with a stew line steak. A what, sorry? Stew line. What's that? Stew line. Have another crack at it. Stew line steak. Also in Love Island. Sammy has a tattoo that says one life, die with memories, not dreams, which has inspired me to also get a rubbish tattoo. And these are kind of things that I feel stemmed from Big Brother and the iconic voiceover that we hear across the show. PJ is in the toilet. Lynn walks in on him. <laughs> Sorry, PJ. <laughs> are there other areas or other even TV shows that you feel are heavily influenced by Big Brother and the elements that were contained in the show? Tell me a reality show that doesn't really have a vote and evict in it in some way. And also, it, it sort of, at the time, it bled into everything. It sort of created The Apprentice, which then created a, an American uh, president. We've never had a team lose so badly. You're all fired. All four are fired. Weakest Link is Big Brother, the quiz. They're, they're just vote, voting and nominating and getting each other out. Chioma, why Nicola? I think she had a bad round. Nicola, rather we could slink. Goodbye. It had such a massive impact. And also, it turned the idea of celebrity on its head that, that anyone could be a celebrity. You don't need to particularly have a talent. You don't certainly need to have worked your way up through the comedy clubs or the, the holiday camps. You can be just a normal person and you could become famous and you can earn millions and you can still be on telly. Look, look at Alison Hammond from Big Brother 3, I think it was. And there are plenty of other people in that sort of vein have, have maintained proper, solid uh, media careers since off the back of this. Yeah, and this is the wildest thing because Big Brother and the tabloids were so interconnected. There were so many things that happened in the house that were printed in papers. We were all watching it and then we were all seeing it because the media were pushing it too. I think a lot about how Heat magazine had their first non-celeb on the cover, Andy Davidson from Big Brother in 2000. And so it's almost like... Big Brother changed the way we saw celebrities or who we regarded to be a celebrity. Absolutely. It, it, it changed everything in terms of... Big Brother was the first reality show to have a, an openly gay winner, which sounds ridiculous right now, but it was. Yeah. It was the first black winner of a, radio, um, of a reality show. It had the first uh, trans uh, winner of a reality show, first person uh, with Tourette's. Do you know what I mean? It broke down barrier each and every time. And this wasn't manipulation from the producers at all. This was just people uh, opening their eyes to the diversity of, of the general public, which was sort of not represented on television. And once mm -hmm. it was represented, it was accepted. You know, anyone could win Big Brother. That's the beauty of it. What do you feel like the lasting legacy of Big Brother is on British society? I think it is just that, as you said. I think it is the fact that 
now it's a level playing field as to who can who can achieve fame and success uh, via the medium of television. I think the late great Jay Goody was was sort of summed up that there's no way that Jay was ever getting on television before Big Brother happened, and there's mm. no way that Jay Goody could become the celebrity that she became before Big Brother. I feel like it it was leveling the playing fields for what we are able to see on the television night after night after night, mm. and I feel that's refreshing. It was so interesting to hear Daniel talk about all the ways that Big Brother has influenced the reality TV we see today, from The Apprentice to The Weakest Link and even Love Island. To me, Big Brother's legacy was also in its ability to bring a diverse group of people to our screens without needing to be rewarded for it or infantilizing them or reducing them to their identity. Since the show launched on Sunday, there's been so much chat about it going woke because of how diverse the cast is. But that's what Big Brother has always been like. And maybe we need more of that on our reality TV today. Thanks for listening. This week's episode was produced by Hattie Who Is She Moya, sound design by Mal Where Is East Anglia Lasetto, original music by Axel Day26 Kukutier, the executive producer and winner of Big Brother is Maz26 Nickers Ebtahaj. See you next Thursday. This is The Guardian. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.